0: receive your word. It's a privilege. Uh, you, you have given us such great things, Father. We we sometimes don't even recognize how great they are. But to stand in the presence of the Lord and, and to be welcome in your presence and to share uh, deep things with you, the thoughts and visions and, and uh, ideas that you have, Father, for us is just amazing. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 So, praise God. So today we're going to talk about the fact that your name has been changed. Did you know that? Your name has been changed. You're not the same. And that name signifies the change. So what does a name really mean? The name is really the the means by which we identify one another. The means by which we identify one another. Your name can represent a class or a category. Names are extremely powerful in that they identify, they describe. So whenever your name is called, that name reflects a description of you. There was something in the mind of the person who gave you that name. And they put that name on you and that name really represents all that they had in mind for you. If it was a parent under the influence, your name might have been Rain or (laughs) or Autumn or Spring or (laughs) anything like that. Sometimes there are uh, relationship-related names, family names. There are people in the family that they want to honor. So your name can have an honorable connotation to it, especially if the person that first carried that name uh, was, was a favorable type person in the eyes of the person that named you. So your name can reflect a relationship between the person who named you and the object of that name. Names sometimes are given because of a an emotion that they evoke in the heart of the person who gives the name. So you see giving a name is a powerful act. The person who gives the name must have power over the person who receives the name. Many times we have nicknames that... People give us, you know, sometimes they are, and mostly they're terms of endearment, but sometimes they can be names that have a negative, carry a negative connotation, or they will uh, mark a person uh, in a negative way. Uh, Because they speak of a deficiency or something that the person lacks or uh, something that they, um, perhaps a a negative trait that they carry. And a person who wants to have power over you may put a nickname on you. Kids do it all the time. In groups and gangs and things like that, you're given nicknames. Mostly they're given as terms of endearment, though, and terms that um, have. if that person, say for instance, a person sees you and they think well of you, they might call you sweet. Sweetie, sweetheart, dear, or something like that. In certain cultures, it's more common uh, than than it is uh, than in other cultures. Say, for instance, in a culture where people have uh, uh, um, more of a hierarchy between adults and children, or elders and children, the uh, elders or older people may tend to refer to the younger children in dear terms rather than their name simply because they want to confer and convey to that child that they are loved you got me and they they want to and treat them as somebody who is they want to show some affection to that child in cultures where uh... handling children picking them up kissing and hugging that kind of stuff is not uh... that common Names may be more common. Say, for instance, you want to grab everybody's kid and be familiar with that kid physically, so you will express love or express endearment through the way you address the child. And so that's just very, very common to do. And so we know that names have power. Um, They are are extremely powerful in the spirit realm because the names of certain gods were used to invoke their power. And so we have to be very understanding of the fact that when a name is used, there is a certain element of power transferred there. Uh, There's power received there because that name is conferred. And so why did God have to change our names? Well, the first instance, or one of the first, instance as we see of uh, God changing a name uh, was uh, of course with Adam and Eve when they were expelled from the garden uh, their names were changed they were both Adam <clears throat> and they, after that there was a, a level of uh, separation between the man and the woman and so the man then carried the surname or the family name Adam and he was free then because he was the head of that household to name everybody there so he gave his wife the name Eve which is mother of all living and that name has stuck Men, um, w- women are, are mothers, and they're also mothers of everything you bring in the house, from the goldfish to the, it's why they never want to see more stuff coming in. It's like, oh boy, here's something else to take care of, because they sense their role as nurturer, and their role as caretaker, and, and giver of comfort, and nourishment, sustenance, and all that kind of stuff. It just goes with that and women try to fight that but you know god's bigger than us right so you know it's gonna stick folks i don't care how many corporations you hit or something like that you know the woman is always when somebody brings a puppy in you can always tell the girls Amen. the girl thing shows up with <laughs> oh why you bring that thing home now you know who's gonna, who's gonna clean up after this? that we know you know we, we sense that responsibility and that's God given because it was delegated to Adam by God certain things you can't get around as far as God is concerned you can fight them you can just like them you can think they're a problem to you but you will never get get rid of them because you can't get God to change his mind about what he's established so the, the uh, another example was Abraham and Sarah now we start to see God changing names for a purpose here uh, Adam and Eve's names were changed because there was disobedience and then when God brings us into obedience again he changes our names again so you are given a name as you are born everybody's born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Your parents name you the best way they can. But God when he brings us back to himself then changes our names. He does this with everybody. He established it with excuse me, with Abram and Sarai, his wife. And so In uh, Genesis chapter 17 that's where we pick up the name change and it's important to understand how the name was changed and why it was changed and what it meant to have your name changed. We said your name represents your identity and also represents relationship between you and the person who gives you the name there are some people who dislike their names so much uh... the names have such a uh... a negative connotation that you can legally change your name and uh... i guess you can have as many as you want as long as you're not naming yourself for fraudulent purposes and so uh... abram and sarah then because of relationship with god receive new names from god And so in Genesis 17 verse 1, Abram was 99 years old and the Lord appeared to him, I'm the almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. Or, In other words, I want to mature you now and I will make my covenant between me and you and multiply you exceedingly. God's covenant comes to increase us. It never comes to take away from what we have and I think people if they would understand that we'd have far more people obedient to God far more people loving God far more people uh, understanding that they are the benefactors of something great when they come into covenant with God instead of looking at what I can't do anymore what you can't do anymore is taken care of by god in his word i mean that's that's just real you might struggle out of rebellion or struggle out of self-pity or self-doubt or anything like that but god's more interested in the do's than he is the don'ts and so a covenant will empower us to obey our end of that covenant or else it's it's weak because it's depending upon human flesh to carry it out and so when when God comes in a covenant with Abram and Sarah says here, Abram fell on his face and God talked with him. He says, for behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. Neither shall your name any anymore be called Abram, which that's the name your father gave you when you were born. But you're getting an upgrade it's even more letters in your name just to show you it's an upgrade so god does never take away he increases he says your name shall be abraham for a father of many nations i have made you So not just to be an exalted father, which is what his name meant. So apparently his father must have thought of Abraham. He wanted him to be blessed as a father and blessed as a man on the earth. There's probably no greater honor you could give a man than to give him many children. And to give him children who respected him and a family that respected him. So under the old covenant, everything revolves around your family and your position in that family in the old covenant everything revolves around your earthly life in fact uh, it's it's hard to it's hard to find any promise of eternal life in the old covenant they were waiting for messiah to come a person who would redeem them over into god's favor or whatever and so uh, they were held under the law if you obeyed the law first of all you had to have faith in the law to be able to obey it trust me if you you don't believe all that's going to get you somewhere you won't do any of it and so there was faith exercised toward the law of God. In order for God to show them favor. And the ultimate favor implied that you would go home to live with Father God. And so they, they uh, every Jewish person adopted, they were adopted children of Abraham or descendants of Abraham. Amen. They adopted Abraham as their father uh, through faith in that covenant. So you would find uh, controversy sometimes between the natural descendants of Abraham and the converts because Jewish people always had converts you could bring your household servants in and circumcise them and so God always had in his mind an increasing family his family would increase to cover everybody born on this earth so it was not just a, a uh, inheritance by race or by tribe or whatever but was an inheritance through that circumcision covenant that's how it came and so when they were uh, circumcised that brought them into covenant with God and so uh, uh, God tells Abraham he says a father of many nations I have made you not just your own family but many nations and I will make you exceeding fruitful Mm -hmm. Make nations of you and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your seed uh, after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant. So there's the implication there of eternal life in that covenant. And to uh, to be a God to you and your seed after you. I'll give you and your seed the land where you are a stranger in Canaan. And God said to Abraham, you will keep my covenant. Therefore, so this is your part. Your part is to circumcise every male born in your household. And all, and that includes servants too. And so God brings them into covenant. And, and Abraham's uh, part or his action that he had to do was to voluntarily have himself circumcised and circumcised everybody else in his household. <clears throat> and that was the obedience that they had to do. After that, they came under God's law through faith. Amen. You had faith in your covenant. You had faith in God. God also had a part for Sarah to play. And he says in verse 17, Genesis uh, 17, verse 15, I'm sorry. And as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her. So here you have an inheritance for the woman as well. And so she begins to be able to look to God to worship as her God as well. You got me? When Whenever anything was done, the man represented the household, but the woman always had her ability to come to God herself. You got? She's included in the covenant as well. And so that explains the... Action of some of the women, like you know you had women who were prophetesses, they were able to contact God on their own you don 't ever have to wait for anybody to tell you you can pray that you can speak to God that you can ask him for anything uh, you know it, this is this is so backwards sometimes you get this stuff with with people in the Christian church now they somehow you get this flavor in their words sometimes that the woman is a second class kind of citizen before God that's that's just been throughout our history and we it's never been there Even under Jewish law, it was never there. That's why you see many, many families, a Jewish woman is an equal partner, say, in a business with the husband. The husband can make certain decisions, but uh, you look at Jewish families now, there's a high level of respect for the wife. As, as the, uh, especially if there's a family business uh, those women are highly respected they have a high level of delegated authority uh, they have a high level of authority in the home to make decisions etc etc so that thing is not on them that's their tradition to respect the women uh, as being able to make a, a great contribution it's only in the Christian faith that it gets a little stupid you know why? Because we have the better covenant. So the devil works harder to take to diminish us. You know, it's easy for Christians to look at the New Testament. Oh, women can't preach. Keep silent in the church. You know, they don't look at all the women that are anointed prophetesses and, and the things that they have done throughout the the word of God. Had it not been for Abigail, David would have been a casualty. And it's taken so much longer to get the nation of Israel back on their feet. So she had a husband that was, was a crazy man. But she talked to God and she was able to have a relationship with God that saved that whole family. You know, God's not going to sit back and let uh, some goofball take the family down because he can't talk to a woman that's stupid. And so when we when we examine how the enemy has, has come after this, get get back to the basics and know that Sarah had covenant with God. He accepted her as a, a person on her own. She wasn't an appendage of her husband. She had personhood before God. So God changed her name as well. She didn't have to borrow the changed name of, of her husband Abraham. And so he said, as for Sarai your wife, her you shall not call her names. Don't call her that anymore. I've given you a new name for her as well. And I will bless her and give you a son also of her. Now see before under their the the under abraham's given name under his father's name sarah was diminished in value because she was barren so she he could pass her around say you're my sister we're not married right now you know he had a divorce and remarriage of his wife whenever he wanted to she was more like his property and god didn't like that god god showed his disfavor over that thing several times you know and striking uh he told he told uh, one guy he said you touch her you're a dead man see so god spoke up for sarah because he considered her valuable from day one even though her husband's culture taught him not to you have to be careful what your culture teaches you about people what your customs, what your family traditions teach you about people and pick up what God teaches you about people. See, we all got to get rid of that junk. We got to get rid of what we've been told, what we've been shown, what we grew up around, what we've been taught through the washing of water of the word. You got me? You got to get your mind renewed to your new identity and who you are. And so God then begins this new journey with Abraham and Sarah. And he's able to tell them that they're getting an increase in personal worth, personal value. If your relationships don't increase you, you need to let go of them. You got me? They're just not valuable to you. And, And I think sometimes people need to value themselves inside more and get a reflection of how god values you and then you'll draw more valuable people around you when you really know who you are and so god said to abraham i'm giving her a new name don't call her that anymore i'm gonna bless her and give you a son from her yes and i will bless her and she will be a mother of nations so she's gonna have the same standing that you have as your wife you're not just going to be a dad and cause trouble in the house but you're going to be her husband and you're going to have children together and there's going to be harmony in the household and the family and she'll be a mother of nations kings of people shall come from her as well Abram fell on his face and laughed in his heart shall a child be born to her that's a 100 years old to him and Sarah she's 90 and blah 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 Abram said to, and Abram said to God oh that Ishmael might live before you see this is the cry of the flesh to maintain dominance in your life so that's the way we all do anything we feel that's not pleasing to God we think we're going to have to suffer to get rid of it you're not going to have to suffer all you got to do is trust God to remove it from you And he will take you through your paces. All you got to do is continue to acknowledge it before God as something that doesn't need to be there. You know, and God will take care of those things. He is covenant. He is that powerful. He can distance you from the thing that hurts you. He can cut it off from your life. The, The cross is that powerful i don't know why people christians think they have to struggle so hard all you have to do is make the decision to separate yourself from that thing in your heart and your mind and and, and it starts with your confession i don't care what it is you know people you know i'll see young people get involved or they involve with people fornication everybody does that in the world that's like the thing you come into the church god says thou shalt not uh, well, it's so hard. No, it ain't. Quick confession, it's hard. Quick confess, start confessing you don't want it anymore. And I guarantee you, it will leave your life. Mm-hmm. But see, we don't understand the power of our spirit when our flesh is stupid. See, when your flesh is craving something, you don't understand the power of your spirit. So we go around comparing sins with with people you know stupid stuff like that just just behaving the devil so we can get licensed to keep it around. And so we have to be careful that we are are, uh, comparing apples to apples and oranges to oranges. When God gives you a mandate of obedience he empowers you to do it and we have a very powerful covenant now a very powerful covenant because it's based on the sinless life of one who lives in us who empowers us to do the right thing at all times and so <clears throat> abraham wants ishmael to live and and you know here here his 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 uh uh, uh pagan thinking is is same thing with lot you know is He's just got to fill his life with, see if you're called an exalted father and you have no children, you're going to try to find something to, to fill that spot up. And you don't realize you're filling up people with God's spot. And people will always fail you you try to fill anybody with god's spot and god's jealous of that he's not pleased with that and it's not going to work and you say you belong to god every time you go to god for something for prayer or for for a raise or for some money to pay a bill or something like that you get that conviction because you're reminded that somebody else is in his spot that's why a lot of times people's faith goes out the window because there's something else in there where god belongs well huh? Sometimes we put ourselves there. You know, you can't find enough crazy people in your life. You put yourself in that spot. That's why you halfway believe God and halfway don't. Because you're not, you know, keeping your covenant to worship him. Worship means he's got his spot and it's top spot and you don't, you know, move people in and out of there. It's not musical chairs. You don't make God get up off his throne in your heart and put somebody else there. So that's why your faith doesn't work sometimes. Because you're a little chess game there. Well, I'm feeling lonely. Take God, bump God off and put somebody, put a human there. Y'all feeling me? Yeah yeah so you you know we, we have to leave God in his proper place and that's what God starts to do with himself in the life of Abraham and Sarah you get an increase in status you get an increase in reward you get an increase you're b- going to be the father of many nations you may not see them all in your lifetime but that will be the mark that you leave in this earth is that kings will be birthed out of your bloodline all of that stuff you thought you Want it all your life, I'm gonna let you have it, but it's gonna come through a covenant with me. And so, Abraham's name gets established greater than what it was before. God always makes you greater than what you were before, He is not a taker, He is a giver. I don't care if you peel potatoes and feed people. I don't care if you scrub toilets for, for in the church. You're greater than you were before. I don't care if you clean houses for the rest of your life. You are greater than you were before. Because you're not that same person. You have an inheritance in God. And you're leaving your mark on God. In, in God. In the things of God. So uh, the names that Abraham and Sarah are given reflect a personal inheritance sarai means princess so somebody named these people thinking greatness that was the thought of the person that gave them their names initially but it did not work out that way through natural power and that's the thing god wants to remind us of I don't care how great your name is in the natural. If you're depending on natural power to make that thing happen. It's going to be a flop and a failure. Mm -hmm. It always is. But when you come into God. He can make those things happen and make them greater. So the name Sarah really means noble woman. Which means she has a personal inheritance now. Not just one flowing from her relationship with her husband noble woman means you're a woman who is a woman of property a woman of position and stature a woman who has title and and prominence in the earth in the new testament we see an example of a name change simon barjona was called peter by jesus wasn't he huh When flesh and blood did not reveal to him that he was the Messiah. The Father revealed it. So that was a covenant sign. Peter had a covenant revelation of Jesus Christ through God the Father. And so he required a name change. Come on now. They're transitioning from the Old to the New Covenant. So some of the Old Covenant things still hold. Even though we're going into the new. Jesus said. Who do you think that I am? Peter said you are the Christ. The son of the living God. And Jesus says you get a name change. Hmm? Because my father has introduced me to you as your personal savior. New covenant. So. The names we have been given is higher than Abraham and Sarah. In the new covenant we have a higher name than that of Abraham and Sarah. Because they had names that reflected God's presence in their lives for natural inheritance with little said about eternal life so the old testament focus was was primarily on this life i mean life was so hard you think about the curse work from the sweat of your prow, you couldn't sell them people on heaven you had to make sure they knew "Ah, if you do this in your earthly life you'll survive earthly life because it was so hard for them and so that was the focus, and rightfully so. Otherwise, who would want to be circumcised if you're only talking about heaven? Right. Just like we do now in this life. People have a hard time obeying God from day to day. You see people drop in, drop out, you know, get born again, you know, run like blazes for a season, peter out, go backslide. And then when they get older, they start getting convicted or they get a family. We should take our kids. It's the same old, same old. I go to church for the kids now you know I didn't go for years, and then you know God starts speaking to people at different times in their lives, so you don't see people oftentimes that are consistent, you know you might see them come to church and be members, but consistent in their relationship with God that's something totally different, totally different. you know people tend to want to time out you know why that's so important to people, but they tend to want to time out from God. In their relationship with God. So, God has to do something then to, to take away uh, the reproach of sin from our lives. You know, there's, that's what the circumcision was about. And so, uh, in Joshua 5 9, you'll see that because uh, there's a limit to your power on the earth in the natural. There's a limit to your expectation for your life in the natural. There is a limit there. And it's because of sin that that we're born in and shaped in iniquity. And when God changes a name, it's to reflect righteousness and relationship with him. And that that reproach from sin comes off of a person's life. So in Joshua chapter 5, you see the two of them, the reproach and circumcision, tied together. And it says, uh, verse three, Joshua made him a sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did that. All the people that came out of Egypt, and we're talking about the land of bondage, the land of worshiping other gods, the land of of slavery. Everything that Egypt represented to the Jew, God wanted to get rid of. He wanted to get rid of that life and all of the memories of it. And so when when he did that, all the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war, died in the wilderness, by the way, after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness so they were born in a place of transition between the land of sin and reproach and oppression and slavery and the land of promise so they're in between the in-betweeners have to come into covenant too And then them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness. Till all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed. Because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. Unto whom the Lord swear. So you see their disobedience even led to them stopping circumcising the newborns. So we got kids that are running around with no you understand what is? no understanding of God no knowledge of God they're just raw people and so in it, it, and, and they refused to accept the promises of God so here we have people who had a history of serving God and a covenant with God who refused the covenant oh. they refused it refused to bring their kids to church refuse to think about god at all refuse to pray refuse to do anything we have a godless people here that god has to bring under his authority so joshua you know is surviving that's about all this brother did because now he's he's governing a people who are probably more lawless than those of moses because the circumcision at least reminded you of god You got me? And so here they have no reminder of God in this this, uh, group of people coming out of here. And so their children, verse 7, whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised, because he had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass that when he had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole circumcision leads to wholeness salvation that's what that means intact nothing missing nothing broken even though that foreskin was removed they came out whole Uh and so he says and the Lord said to Joshua this day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you Uh rolled away the reproach What does the word reproach really means? It really means to be put down. To feel unworthy. So in circumcision, God removes the unworthiness. Circumcision is is comparable to righteousness in, in many ways. Because righteousness is what allows us to stand boldly before the throne of God. So circumcision takes away that I'm not worthy thing. Remember when the prodigal son got away from the house of the father and he came into a lifestyle that was sinful. He got that reproach on him. He didn't want to go. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just get me, you know, make me a hired servant. He didn't realize that his covenant allowed for the father's forgiveness of his sin and establishing him back in righteousness. That's what we all forget. That's what we all forget. That's why if, if we remember that we walk more closely with God. Not that we're, not gonna ex- we're expecting not to ever make mistakes. But we know that we can get forgiveness. Of, that's the most important aspect of the covenant. That it's renewable. That it, there's no penalty. There's no curse for it. All you have to do is admit your fault. This is hard for Christians to do folks. Trust me, too many of them running around here with sin on them. That's why we have missing in action Christians. When they got a whole church full of people, they're out getting massages somewhere. It's because they don't walk closely with God. You get get old enough in God, you get this idea somehow. You You don't sin anymore. You confess less and less. The Bible says he who is forgiven much loves much. Let's not get it twisted, folks. You don't get a reward for not doing. We're not under the old covenant. You get a reward for staying close to God. You find out there's something between you and him. You have him deal with it. You confess it and you have him deal with it and free you up. And that's what was happening to these people. They need to be freed up from the burden in their souls of sin. They had to do something that made them know they were accepted by God. And that's what the circumcision did for them. In the New Testament we get the circumcision of the heart. If you don't stiffen it and you don't keep your distance from people. And you don't push them away and reject them and all that kind of stuff. You and yield to that circumcision in your heart. Then you find yourself fellowshipping with God. In friendship with him. In true covenant with him. So that word reproach means to defame. To strip off. It means to disgrace. Or to shame. It also means to expose by stripping. As Gomer. It happened to Gomer when she was sold. As a slave. And Hosea went and bought her. Same picture. You know the worst uh, degrading you could do of a human being. God takes care of that. It means to rail. To carp at. Or to put down. Sometimes people are given names that are a put down or to or or set them apart in a negative way in some way so uh, in in Abraham's case his reproach was removed when God called him a friend of his that's in Genesis chapter 18. So all of the things that happen in circumcision and removing, rolling away the reproach That's what it was for. It was always to remove the reproach of your old sinful life. To remove the reproach of your father's sin. To remove the reproach of your upbringing. It was done to remove the reproach. So we have a circumcision in our hearts that allows our hearts to be tenderized toward all humanity. You you really care about people or you should or you can. You know, quit stiffening yourself, trying to be exclusive, trying to be, you know, something that, you know, you're exclusive. OK, God loves you. <laughs> it sounds like a bad husband, don't it? <laughs> I told you I love you. Go get me some chicken. Huh? <laughs> Go find that remote. I'm sure you know that thing they have on a television where you can push it in a beep to find her. That was made by somebody's husband sitting up on the. uh, it had to have been. I think I was married to the brother that invented it. That's like a portable wife. You you tell her to go find it for you. That beeps for you so it finds it. Don't worry about it, i find it myself. Beep, beep, beep. We spend the life chasing remotes. Mother of all living. We consider the remote a living thing. Okay, so, all right. So in Genesis 18, you go there. The reproach removed from Abraham after his name was changed. In Genesis 18, oh, I'm in the wrong book. I wonder it didn't look familiar. in verse 16 this is a story of Sodom and Gomorrah so this is after the name change was in chapter 17 this is chapter 18 verse 16 the men arose from thence and looked towards Sodom and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way and the Lord said shall I hide from Abraham the thing that I'm going to do shall I hide that from him When you think about that thought in somebody's head, what is that? When would you ask yourself something like that? And trying to figure out if you can trust a person. No? Shall I tell them or shall I not tell them? Sometimes things are so personal and so and so damaging potentially damaging to you if they were revealed that you have to really consider can i trust this person huh can i trust them and what god said about abraham was to me just real real high up on God's esteem list you know i mean he was bumped up way high from because he said this he says seeing he he says shall i hide this thing I, seeing is abraham will surely become a great nation so i've already given him a great name i've already established him higher this means i can trust him with my most secret plans I can trust him. And this is the first revelation of a person that God gives delegated authority as an intercessor. Hmm? God establishes blanket uh, permission for Abraham to speak to him and intercede. Moses did it mostly out of desperation for an answer for the people. God's doing it with with Abraham here to establish what Moses was later to take advantage of the faith of Abraham to talk to God and share with God. But to me, Abraham lives kind of like in a little higher level than... See, this was before the law. So there was more one-on-one. You could see people feeling freer to just interact with God and, and, and reveal and have that thing done. So Abraham, the faith fact that we have the faith of Abraham without the... the uh, um, uh, negative aspects of God's law in there, to me is a great thing. It's like you know, just move, sail, and straight through. I mean, what can stop you in this covenant? Because you're you're established now in relationship with Him. And He said this. He says, "Do I? Can I hide?" I've given Him a future, a mandate, a title. I've given Him all of this uh, ability. He's going to have a uh, covenant, and then. his descendants are, or are going to be as numerous as I've given him the whole world. You know, he's heir of the whole earth now. So I'm going to have to share some things with him kind of like I did with Adam. Remember, Adam walked with God in the cool of the day, and they talked dominion, they talked responsibility, they talked how he was going to manage the earth. So you see this coming back into a man that God feels that he can trust because of the covenant of circumcision. And he says, for I know him, I know him. That phrase, I know him, means I have chosen him, and I have embraced him as my friend. We're no more. I'm no more just observing him to see how he does with small things. I give him, Amen. but I see him now as my covenant friend in the earth. He's somebody I know I can trust and I can go to. And he says, he says, I know him. He'll command his children, and his household after him, and they will keep the way of the Lord. So when he sees Abram being obedient, see, God knows the end at the beginning and he knows exactly what time to insert certain things into our lives. I think that's so important for us to understand about God. And the Lord says, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great because their sin is very grievous. I'm going to go down and I'm going to kill everybody. And Abraham's Intercession here is extremely important for us to understand because he is not asking for himself personally but he's asking on behalf of people who are just like him he's interceding on behalf of the righteous and so he says God are you the kind of God who would destroy the righteous with the unrighteous and God lets him understand his heart and he says no I am not if I can find a certain well will you do it for so many righteous etc etc and so God Abraham here is trying to tap into the heart Heart and mind of God. Understand where's God coming from? What kind? Of, well, you know, I know He's my friend because I keep my covenant and so forth. But there are other people out here that He could have mercy on. Let me find out who those people are. <clears throat> so, Abraham said, "I know Him." This happened because Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And evidence of his faith was in the circumcision. That's what the evidence of faith was was the circumcision. And Abraham's faith faith is the basis for all the covenants with God and man. So we build on his foundation of faith righteousness. In the new covenant we have an explicit promise of eternal life through faith, because the Messiah has come. So we go from Eternal life, they had natural life covenant, we have eternal life covenant that's explicit. It's not implied, but it's expressed. John 3.16 expresses that for us. So we don't perish, but we have everlasting life. Unfortunately, we've taken that to mean heaven only. Because we haven't examined that our covenants are carryovers of blessings, but the curse is removed. And so this is why people, it's hard for people to grasp it, because it really seems too good to be true. You know, the Jew had the covenant of, of the blessing in this life, but he had to keep a tedious law. In order to do it. And so we have eternal life and we have to keep relationship with God. So ours is based more on relationship in speaking, walking with him, more human type things to do. The sacrifice is 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 uh, made once and for all for all sin. And it doesn't have to be done over and over and over again. And so this is the, the blessing of the new covenant. The things that were contrary to us, going getting your pet lamb and every time you cussed at somebody and just gotta go get, kill the lamb. All of that's been removed. There was the contrary things have been removed. The tedious things have been removed by Jesus who did that perfect one time sacrifice and fulfilled the broken law. So really Jesus did more Uh, He repaired that law and made it what God wants it to be. See, we still have to keep the laws of God, but it's done through our heart, not through our our flesh. That makes it easier to do uh, as far as as having a constant reminder within us the right move to make before God. So Jesus removes a reproach through the circumcision of our hearts. Your heart is is the seat of, of your uh, your your the essence of your being it, it it reflects who you are deep down inside. And so your heart then being the core or, or your spirit, the core of your being, God can only fill it now with good things. You got me? What's what's bad about people is their members. Your members are trained to do certain things at certain times. Your soul also gets involved in that. But your heart can can reflect now God's thoughts if you'll seek for it. If you'll seek God to, to speak to you in your heart, he'll be able to do those things. And that ministers to your soul and renews your mind. So God removes that reproach through the circumcision of our heart. It's a permanent change in us. And says, and he takes the old heart and gives us his heart. When he says he replaces it with a heart of flesh, that's his heart that beats inside of us. And his heart with all of its components. We have new life, new blood. We have a new mind. We have access to the mind of Christ. Now whether you tap into it or not depends on you. And it depends on your study of his word. your pursuing of him through the word. You can't know what God's thinking and saying if you haven't opened a Bible. You'll just be guessing at every thought that comes in your brain. You'll never have a reference point. We have new life, new blood, new mind, new will. These are all part of God's life. And he freely imparts it to us because he has chosen us. And he calls us not only his friend, but he has a new term for us, and that is beloved. Amen. You saw this used by John the disciple. He took on that name, just like God, Jesus gave Peter the name of, of uh, Peter. John received the name the beloved disciple. He he said that because that's what Jesus called him. So Jesus had terms of endearment for those who were close to him as well. Amen. Got me. Yep. And so instead of calling John a pest, you know, he's always hugging Jesus. Was, I'm a hugger. Amen. Uh, Amen. That's true. Just one of those silly commercials. That who is that? Pier One has those commercials where the little objects in the store talk to people. Yeah, And this one thing, it says, I'm a hugger. Yeah. <laughs> With a New York accent, you think, hmm, do I want this in my house? <laughs> but the word beloved actually means your uncle or your father's brother and i think that's who always use those terms to describe the nieces and nephews you see so so here it's a cultural thing where say like uncle you know sometimes in in cultures if physical contact is not that say at a time when it's not appropriate so especially in your teen years you know you you if you're a relative if, if you're female to female you know it's probably acceptable to hug and all that kind of stuff but male to female it's, it's not acceptable so you have to pick up terms to draw them near you have to have words for that when you can't have physical activity and so it, it also means uh, the father's brother we said that beloved uh, and and, and so this is how probably abram and lot wound up together Amen. you got know me because uh, uh him calling lot in affectionate terms drew him to him there was also this relationship that came t- with it so much so that lot he took lot with him when he left that land and he kind of adopted him But it got to be a problem because God wanted that spot in Abram's life. You got to know whenever you come to God, whoever's got top spot, that's his. And he wants it. And you're not going to have any peace in your life until he gets it. Young people, when they find somebody, they think they've got somebody that they like or they love. If you kept them in that spot and never let God have that spot... And find out if that's really the person you're supposed to be with. It's going to be hell to pay down the line. Amen. You're going to wind up, you know, not loving them. They're going to keep you from God. You're going to finally realize it when you get out your flesh one day. Amen. You know, yeah. all married people get out the flesh at some point. You get married. Amen. 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 <laughs> Amen. Amen. And you realize the flesh cannot carry a marriage. You're going to have to have something besides hugging and kissing and sitting on each other's laps all the time. And so you have to to realize that. You get God in his top spot. If you're smart enough to put him in top spot and move that person out, you'll find out who that person really should be in your life, if in your life at all. Mm Amen. I always tell young people who want to get married. I say, God is going to probably work on you to either wait or walk. Are you willing to do that? If you're not willing to wait or walk, don't waste my time. You got me. Just do what you're going to do, but leave me out of it. You know we don't we don't we don't encourage hypocrisy. You know don't don't get the preacher to get involved in something you've already made up your mind to do. You're not trying to pray about anything. You just want to do what you want to do. The word beloved uh, also means uh, to have affection for someone and that can mean any type of affection. Hopefully, if you're going to marry somebody, you can call them beloved as well as husband or wife. You got me? You'd be able to call them both things. And so when, when we understand God and we understand what God wants for us, we understand our spot in his heart. So we get top spot in God's heart, and he expects top spot in ours because he has circumcised our hearts to receive him. Got me? We couldn't receive him with the old stony heart. That's why you you, you get people to pray the prayer. To receive Jesus into their heart. It will be better for you. You'll be able to have a proper place for God in your life. If you will let him have your life. And that means changing your heart. From a stony heart and a heart of flesh into a circumcised heart. Or a stony heart into a heart of flesh for the first time. And so this is uh, um, God's covenant term is also beloved one is also a term of betrothal it means a deep unbreakable commitment so god has made a deep unbreakable commitment with us and he expects the same from us he doesn't take our junk. He's given so much. Why should we even want to give? In in your real heart, in your circumcised heart, you don't want to give God junk. You want to give him your best anyway. So you need to go with that. And quit going with your head who's always second guessing if, if that's going to benefit you or not. Of course it's going to benefit you. It can only benefit you. So our names are changed to beloved. And this is what God is calling us From here to eternity, throughout eternity, he calls us beloved. He calls us to him in loving terms. He always did, even under the old covenant. You see, he was calling Israel, he would hiss at them and call them to him. Come here. You know, that kind of thing. He's always calling us lovingly uh, to himself. So in order for us to have earthly uh, prominence uh, that we need as Abraham and Sarah had we are given his name and this name gives us access so he calls us personally as beloved in relationship he calls us beloved and in exchange he gives us his name to use for the things that we may need in life in John 14 13 he says if you ask anything in my name I'll give it to you. We use his name as our own. We use, if we need something, we have freedom to use the name of Jesus as an endorsement for that request that we have made. Very similar to a marriage relationship. So when he calls us beloved, That is a term that he is using to let us know not only are we friends, but we are joint heirs. And that's as close as you can get to being married. You know, spiritually speaking, as anything, he calls us also his bride. He he washes us with the water of the word, and he, he tells husbands to do the same thing for your wife, and and use this as as your example of how to live in harmony on this earth. So Jesus, he becomes our last name, as we are not separated. Uh, as we are not separated from being his beloved as a wife would be through a divorce so we never are divorced from him we have authority to use that name that name has the same power for us in our lives consistently throughout our lives it's never diminished Whereas if you were divorced and there was another Mrs. Somebody over married to that guy, who's got the real power there to to function as the wife? You got me? And trust me, men who are divorced can never figure out who the real wife is anyway. They're just confused. Well, confusion follows that. Because that's not God's remedy. You know, I mean, and and God can give you some help with that, but it's never going to be the same as as somebody who's faithful. It couldn't be. It couldn't be. And so you you just have to understand that. There's mercy there, and there's grace to help you obey that covenant, but what it does to your soul, it's up to your relationship with God to get that straightened out in your own mind. And most people don't put forth the effort. Jesus confirms that he is with us. In a certain way. When we use that name, he confirms that with signs following in Mark 16, verse 17. I'll read that because it's interesting. We talk about it in terms of ministry, but it absolutely carries over into everything that we say in his name. And everything that we ask in his name. He says... He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, speak in new tongues. If they take up take up serpents, if they drink any deadly, deadly thing, it won't hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In verse 20, they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord working with them confirming the word with signs following now we think that of that only as preaching the gospel but anytime we use the name of Jesus he confirms it with the, the promise and that's the sign following you got me did you get that yeah well God answered prayer well then he honored your faith in the name of Jesus Hallelujah. Huh? he honored your relationship as his beloved his bride his joint heir he, re, he honored all that relationship all the way down the line that's important to know, folks, that he honors relationship with us. It's not great swelling words, and it's not experience with things, and it's not this, and it's not that. But are you bold enough to step out and use my name? Yes. There's a, a, there's a, a, a stigma attached to people who use the name of Jesus in the world. Every demon in hell will come to you and try to tell you to be embarrassed of that name, to not use that name. They even got a website now that don't pray in the name of Jesus or something like that. They're trying to stop people from, they're doing it in the military. Yes. Yes. Yeah, there's changes there where they're telling them chaplains are being warned not to use the name of Jesus because it's offending the gay people. Which there are not not many of them in the military. I don't know why that's such a problem. But most, you know what, don't get me started. <laughs> Anybody out, out there being gay and picking up a gun or a rifle too quick? Come on now. The authority to use his name is not a power of attorney. It's much higher than that. I know some people use that term to describe it. It's not that. Power of attorney is something that you receive when a person is incapacitated. What he's given us is full power. We ain't incapacitated, we are empowered. We are joint heirs. That's not power of attorney. Power of attorney is very specific. Yes. I have a, a broker that handles investments for me. I gave him power of attorney over to, only to do those transactions. He can't go in my bank account and take my money out without my permission. You understand? My, It's just to do those transactions in my name. So power of attorney is extremely specific and limited. Amen. It can be limited as far as time. and Sometimes they have to be renewed. You can go to court and get them broken. If you decide circumstances change. Say for instance, you know, y'all find me laid out somewhere and somebody needs to pay my bills. They can do that in emergency, but if I get up and start walking, I can go get get you off of there and sign my own checks again. You got me? So his his name let me see. Alright, we need to know though, that Jesus' name only sanctions his will. It is not a blanket for us to get our neighbor's goods or to claim things that he has not promised us in our hearts, in our circumcised heart. If it don't come through the circumcised heart, it's not him. So he's not sanctioning you taking what belongs to somebody else. And especially, you know, sometimes people just don't, you know, sometimes people carry this thing in them that says I'm not worth anything and try as you might. They just never get over that. And so they want to see what somebody else has all the time. That's where they get their ideas from. That's where they get their understanding of what what they want out of life. They They just don't have this thing where they can go to God and let him fill them with inspiration. Now they might go to an emergency, or it's the way they see God is extremely important in how they conduct their lives. And many people, it's interesting, they don't want something until the neighbor has it. They don't know what to desire until the neighbor has it. Neighbor being anybody they see, somebody next living next door, somebody doing this or doing that, you know, neighborhood. Uh, Unity is important in some things. I've seen it do some good things, like, you know, there are block clubs where everybody would buy a street lamp, and that kept, you know, it was good security for the neighborhood. You didn't want a light here and a light there. You want the whole street lighted. Some of the safest areas in the city of Cleveland adopted that policy and they're safe to this day. You know, people keep those and they were gas lights. So as long as your your gas was on or something like that, you know, you you paid your bill, you got it and, and tied into electric power and so forth later on. And so it changed the way people lived. But when your neighbor when you have a a cookout on the block And you keep eyeballing your neighbor's wife. You're wrong. You got me? And so there's a limit to how much good that kind of activity can do. And God forbids it because he wants to be the source of our inspiration. What your neighbor has is is a far cry from what God has for you. and may not be as good for you as what God has for you. So there is power in his name that's in force in heaven and earth, and under the earth. It would have to have power under the earth for you to be able to remove demon power. So this name that we have been given, it's there to establish our new identity. Who are you? I'm the bride of Christ. I know because I use his name. See, I'm given the the privilege of using his name. When we use it, we declare our friendship with God, our role as joint heirs, and, and espouse to him. And that's the highest place that we can be in the earth. Is the property and, and jointly with the Lord Jesus Christ. We also declare our role as servants of God. Because we are here to serve God and serve humanity through the circumcision of the heart. See that's, that's what causes you to want to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Not being able to to show how much power you have, but to show your love for God in the circ- it has to start in the circumcision of your heart. There has to be something that touches your heart about humanity before you can go forth and do this. Compassion is what rules the 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 uh, gifts of the Spirit and the power of God. So we go forth in His name, and He confirms it by saying, "I sent them." That's when the sign follows. That means I sent that person. I'm the one who sent them. I'm the one who's doing that. I'm the one who's doing it. That's my bride. That's my friend. That's my beloved. They do what I tell them to do. And I sanction. What I send them out to do. Amen. Father in heaven we thank you for your word and understanding. We thank you Lord for comprehending your word. It's a good thing to get understanding from your holy word. We thank you for it Lord. We bless you. We praise you. In Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 If you need prayer come on up. I'll give you prayer.